Giselle Foino. Today we will be discussing Kalama Valley and the Manalo, currently called Hawaii Kai, around the corner from Sani's Beach on the Mokopuni of Oahu. Before there were homes here today, it was farmland. And before that, Hawaii Kai was originally Mongolua, or the bay was. It was known to be one of the largest fish ponds and food producing areas on Oahu, sustaining the people. Today, we will be discussing what happened in the 1970s, the Kalama Valley protests. Um, in the 70s, and you know, even today, the cost of living was hard on residents. Like, me, like my grandparents, people had to leave Hawaii to afford a roof over their heads. In 1968, Kalama Valley was rezoned from agriculture to urban land. The owners, Bishop Estate, gave permission to Kaiser to develop the land. Kaiser was an industrialist that developed along the southeast coast of Oahu. Residents were told to leave by July 1970. In July 1970, some had refused to leave and three were arrested. Today we have Mr. John Wittek, who was one of those three. Those remaining were evicted and 32 people were arrested on May 11, 1971 while standing their ground while bulldozers were standing ready, the Kalama Valley protests are known to spark the Hawaiian Renaissance. Thank you, uh, Mr. Wedek, for joining us. So, first of all, can you tell us what happened that day for you and what, le what led to you guys participating in the protests or starting it? Sure. Uh, it actually began with the formation of Youth Action probably back in 1969. And one of the projects of Youth Action was to form a Youth Congress uh, series of workshops. And so from about 1970 through 1976, we held like five workshops, congresses on all the islands. We got money from the Governor's Conference on the year 2000. We argued that at this conference, you don't have any young people in the the young people will be alive in the year 2000. They should have a say. So we got a grant of about $5,000. We organized the first youth congresses in June 1970. And we held it at the University of Hawaii Manoa campus at the Freer uh, Hall dormitory. We had about 160 students from about 80 different organizations from the anti-war groups, environmental groups, to the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And at that Congress, uh, which lasted four or five days, uh, people, uh, the delegates passed resolutions. One of them I remember was for Hawaiians to have their land restored to them, have Bishop Estate give back the land. And uh, that one passed uh, a vote of the delegates in June 1970. It was like a month later in July that we heard of evictions in Kalama Valley. Uh, which were being ordered by the Bishop Estate. According to the media report, Kaiser, which was a war contractor as well, I was I was an anti-war resistor, and many of the youth were against the war. So we, we really uh, detested the idea of Kaiser coming into Kalama Valley, evicting local pig farmers and residents from the valley for the sake of fairly affluent housing in that valley. And so one, one morning I heard that the 
bulldozers had entered the valley. So I had a couple of friends I called up as one of them lived uh, with my wife and me in our house. And she was seven months pregnant, but she said, sure, I'll go. <laughs> and then the other one was a, a military veteran. And he, I went, we went by and picked him up and we went to Kalama Valley. We drove into the valley that uh, I believe this is in July, 1970. And we drove up to this house there's an older Hawaiian man. We learned later he was pure Hawaiian, 100% Hawaiian. And his name was Moose Louie. And Moose uh, and his wife lived there with their grandchild. And we drove up and Moose said, uh, you know, they're back in the valley. They, the bulldozer's back in the valley. And he, he was the ex-officio mayor of, of Kalama Valley, respected mm -hmm. by the people there. Had so many good stories and just a, a great man. So he said, they're back in the valley. So I got in my car again and we drove to the back of the valley. And there was like a constant, most of the houses were like concert huts. And uh, this one, the door was, uh, the door wasn't open, but the porch, we could go up and sit on the porch. We looked inside the house and all the belongings and furniture were still there. We knew at that time the uh, Methodist Church was helping to relocate residents. And we were not for relocation. We were for supporting the residents who did not want to move. Mm -hmm. So at this house, the family was out looking for replacement housing. And, and we went and sat on the porch, the three of us. And just as the bulldozer arrived, the driver, the operator of the bulldozer was a short but pretty broad Hawaiian man. Later, we found out his name was Tiny. And Tiny, <laughs> Tiny pulled the bulldozer out of the, up to the house and said, what do you, you guys better get out of there. I, I'm ordered to knock that house down. And we said, there's people's things that are still in the house. And he, he said, what? And he said, yeah, you can't do it. And then a, a Holly guy walks up. His name was Ed Michaels. He was a bishop of state official. And he <laughs> said, get out of the house. And he told the bulldozer operator, knock it down. And here, you know, here I'm sitting with Linton Park and our, my friend Lori Hayashi, who was seven months pregnant. And I go, oh my gosh, are they really going to do this? And uh, Michael's ordered, move it, knock it down. You know, like he, he was going to kill us. <laughs> and so Heine gets back in the bulldozer and drives up like within one foot of the house. And then he says, F the F word. And he gets down from the bulldozer. He throws the key in the in the tall grass away from the house. He says, if you want it, if you want it done, you do it. And he walked away. <laughs> Later we heard that night he went to the operating engineers union meeting. And he told this story and the that the union members voted no one will bulldoze in Columbia Valley until people have been relocated or you know still uh, until they're guaranteed some relocation housing and so that was that was quite a good thing meanwhile though after he had done that uh, Ed Michaels called the police and the three of us were arrested I guess taken and booked um, if, I think eventually, I don't remember going to court uh, a second time, but we were at the uh, arraignment. I think the uh, city and the state decided not to prosecute. 
especially because one of us was seven months pregnant. I know. I was like, <laughs> should she go? <laughs> yeah, she, she was great. Uh, but after that arrest, the next people were so mad. I, I guess it was publicized. And so the next day, like seven to ten people come to Kalama Valley. And they, wow. they uh, there's no bulldozer, but they refuse to leave. Bishop Estate has them arrested. And so from that point, there's already like 10 or and Linton had gone back the second day and got arrested again. Uh, and from that, then there was a decision to form an organization because there was no organization before the first two arrests. And so a, a group was called, uh, was formed called Kokua Kalama. And Kokua Kalama, with the help of John Kelly, who was a great movement printer, uh, printed up uh, leaflets called Disaster Area Emergency people being evicted, and we went out on the highway and we leafleted uh, passers-by, people in cars or bicycles, and eventually people honked their horns, and eventually uh, more people joined in the struggle, and uh, a decision was made by Kokua Kalama to actually occupy the valley, support the residents, including a pig farmer, Moose Louie, the mayor, and Blackie Richards, and other people back in the valley. And, uh, and the residents joined the Kokoa Kalama movement. So there were probably about seven or eight, nine families resisting at that point. So it really was the beginning of the Hawaiian resistance rather than a renaissance. The renaissance was affected by it, I think, uh, sprang from the resistance. But it went on for about one year, the occupation of Kalama Valley. And during that time, we learned more about the residents. We got involved with the pig farmer. We would go to Waikiki hotels and collect the thrown out food to bring back to feed the pigs. We got to know the pigs and, the, and their personalities. <laughs> you know, for for most of us who are urban boys or girls, we didn't have much connection with, with the environment or with farming. And the people in Kalama, we just, they became family. So the occupation went on for one year. Early in the occupation, there was a tactical decision because the media was beginning to cover it like a hippie invasion, like Mainland Howleys are directing this. And, and, and so there was a discussion in the Kukua Kalama uh, folks, the locals said, why don't the Howleys work outside the valley, build support, et cetera, and just, we'll just have local people in the valley. Some Howleys resented that. I, I supported it. I thought it was a good tactical decision because it was true. Youth culture people, it was a day of long hair and anti-war, artistic <laughs> expression, music. You know, so I mean, it had become like a, a, a crater, like a festival. And we did have a crater festival that year, too. We organized the first crater festival, Youth Action mm -hmm. At uh, Diamond Head Crater, Leahi. But uh, so it was becoming too much a countercultural thing. And so I think the decision to have a tactical separation was a good one. Outside, there's a lot to do. Uh, Leaflet, get groups to uh, make statements of support, uh, organize other, uh, defense money because we knew they were going to come in and arrest, uh, and hand out leaflets. So we, John Kelly printed them, we handed them out. And in the valley, they organized themselves. They changed the name to Kokua Hawaii because I think they understood that this struggle could be a landmark struggle. 
uh, win or lose, it will really um, send the alert to all the people of Hawaii. At that time, people getting evicted from Chinatown and Waipahu, uh, um, this, the housing uh, by the stadium, Halava housing was knocked down so they could do the stadium. Uh, the valleys like Waiholi, Waikani were becoming threatened. Ni'umalo, Nawilivili on uh, Kauai was under attack for eviction. And so we had struggles throughout the island, anti-eviction issues throughout the islands. And Kalama Valley was probably the first one where people decided if we ain't going to move, this is not progress. This is oppression. This is a continuation of the occupation of Hawaii from the overthrow of the queen and before and after. And so this was, uh, it, it was a renaissance. It was a revitalization of the Kanaka Maoli spirit. And it formed a, a strong alliance between environmentalists and groups like Save Our Surf and uh, anti-war because Kaiser was a war contractor. It united a lot of strains of the movement into a, a, a stand that was, I think, heroic and memorable. And I wasn't among the last 32 arrested because of the tactical separation. My wife was involved, and my wife became a Kokua Hawaii member. They, they, they were moved by the example of the Young Lords Party and the Black Panthers. And so the Kokua, Kokua Hawaii people wore these brown berets. When they spoke yeah. at rallies, they, they reminded me of... I remember seeing pictures of berets being sent to Martin Luther King. Yes. Yes, there's quite an anti-war and tradition of nonviolent resistance. So the Kalama Valley occupation was nonviolent. At the end, it was just remarkable. The HPD um, had sharpshooters all around the heights of the around the valley. They probably wow. brought in 50 or 100 police. Sam Lono, the famed Kahuna was in the valley at that time, and the police did not want to touch him or Randy Kalahiki, who was also there. They were just too respected in the in the Hawaiian community, and they I think they actually feared the power of Sam Lono, so he was not arrested. But 32 people were taken off the roof, were arrested, and to to my memory, I don't think any of them were convicted. Uh, oh. The public sentiment was very strong against what Bishop Estate was doing in the valley. And Bishop yeah. Estate is supposed to be helping Kanaka Maoli. So the image of them uh, arresting demonstrators and trying to put people in jail for standing up for residents who were who are mainly Kanaka Maoli or part Kanaka Maoli uh, was a bad image for them. George Santos was a Portuguese pig farmer who was a memorable, like Moose Louie was very memorable. And um, Blackie Richards is also another of the residents who became very active in Kokua, Hawaii. Some of them, like Blackie, went to Kona and organized uh, residents there against uh, development on the Big Island. So, I mean, there's, out of Kalama Valley, a lot of, um, there was a lot yeah. of spread of the movement sounds like it that's awesome it's wow and it just started from you guys wanting to go in there and sit on the porch 
<laughs> yeah, I've always been bothered. I've always been bothered by something wrong. You know, I think when I was two years old, my sister drew on the wall at our house, and I got punished for it. And ever since then, I cannot stand injustice. <laughs> it's wow. sort of a deep, deep thing in me that I can't turn and look the other way. So especially after the Youth Congress, which was so moving, you know, to see how people discussed and got their their brain cells activated and how some of them, like Kalama, uh, like uh, uh, Kalani Ohelo, went into Kalama Valley. He, he was somebody who was going to sign up for Vietnam because he had a few of his friends killed there. And I told him, you know, you, you should look at whether you're, that's the right side to be on. You know, what, they're, what they're doing to the Vietnamese is something akin to what they did to Hawaiians. And he thought about it, he read about it, he decided not to join the, the military. And he became one of the strongest Kokoa Hawaii uh, members. And we've was, we've interviewed his son a few times. Huh? We've interviewed his son a few times. Oh, yeah, yeah, his son is great. Isn't he in the wind, the windmill, the uh, wind farm struggle or? I think he's in uh, the one struggle of the North. Oh, wow, that that's right. I'm in Allo, that one, yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, his whole family. He lived in Palola. They were really grassroots people, his family. Yep. Yeah. So he was in the second arrest, Kalani, and he was in the, the one a year later, too. Um, and he was a great musician, a very good musician. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> to wrap things up, um, the area today is all, it was developed, they won, <laughs> um, but a movement was created and hopefully, you know, less and less of that occurs, although it's, it's, profits seem to win. So as people join in these causes, hopefully that there's going to be movement towards, you know, giving back to the people because yes. it continues. So the fight is always there and we are always looking for more people to join and do you have anything that you want to shout out right now sure. the other programs we uh, this year we've saw, seen how unemployed people have been mistreated haven't had their claims uh processed and and we see, we've seen the injustice of low-wage workers who are among who are suffering the most especially immigrants so the Hawaii Workers Center, which you can find online, has been organizing for the past year to uh, help organize low-wage workers and to help unemployed workers fight for their mandated benefits. Uh, Kalama Valley was a loss, but it was a pyrrhic victory for Bishop Estate because after that, other struggles uh, rose in other parts throughout the islands, and the Hawaiian sovereignty movement became stronger and stronger uh, as a result of that struggle. So it was really, uh, although it was a loss, we lost the valley, we gained a chance to save a lot of other communities and to raise a needed cry for justice. So yes, if you can support Hawaii People's Fund, the Hawaii Workers Center, you'll be doing a big favor to all the struggles. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just want to let people know that you can always listen to us on um, our podcast uh, any podcast out there and download our mobile app on Apple or um, Google Play uh, so until next time
know if you guys have any more stories that you want us to do, uh, and you can contact us at info at newstories.org. Mahalo.